Hello, and welcome to Podcasting is Praxis, where we're doing the thing we promised we would never ever do. ASMR? No. <laughs> no, not that. I wish we were doing that. We were, like, we'd be better off doing it, but no, we're going to talk about Scottish politics this week. Um, just started so, so softly and now I want to kill myself already. I mean, we're discussing <laughs> Scottish politics, so that that is good. Get yourself in that mindset. That's the right place to be. So I'm David. I'm here with Elijah. Hi, uh, sorry for interrupting from the get-go. <laughs> Just set the tone, mate. That's fine. People talking over each other and interjection without introduction is very Scottish politics. It very much is, James. Thank you very <laughs> yeah, much for that's that. True, <laughs> and Jamie. Uh, yeah, why am I here? You're here um, to prevent David from coming at me, Elijah, with a claw hammer about the 30 minute mark, basically. <laughs> Fair oh, so, just, we're just going to set this out now. We're not going to be discussing is independence good or bad. There are takes. We're not going to go into them. It's not worth it. We've said the same things for about seven fucking years now. It's not worth doing anymore. So, yeah, rather than that, prob- this is going to be. It, it's probably good, though, right? <laughs> Superb. Look, look, right. We're not the reason we're not gonna do it is very simple. There's no point. Like we're not having yes. a referendum right now. It's not yeah. gonna happen anytime soon. Yes. Everyone in Scotland more or less knows where they stand. And for the avoidance of all doubt, right, I'm in favour, David's against, Elijah's in favour, Jamie's in England. That's it. There's there's no more context that's required, so there is no more cereal to be eaten. That unfairly paints me in my position. I'm not against as such. I'm just against liberals doing it. There's some David nuance. is evolving on independence. That's the updated statement. I will only do it socialistly. David, David's famously a unionist. <laughs> that's a new. <laughs> that's a new position compared to where we were about twelve months ago. Is, for the yes. 2019 general don't, election. Don't say stream. that. Don't say that. You'll scare him off. No, 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 no. It's it's true. It's true. Um, but anyway, like I said, we're not discussing whether or not it's good or bad. We're just going to fucking leave it as a thing that hangs over everything else in Scottish politics and just won't address it, just like everyone else in Scottish politics. Um, so, James, how did we get where we are? Oh, right. So, some time ago, Alex Salmond climbed into an animal enclosure to feed a solero <laughs> to a gorilla. <laughs> The gorilla was shot as a direct consequence of this, and this spawned a whole movement known as Kilts Up for Harambe, which set the major divide in Scottish politics between those who wear kilts and those who refuse to. Separately, it got Alex Salmond into a court ca- case from which he was, you know, ultimately unsatisfied with the result of not proven, which led to him founding a political party today. And if that sounds completely absurd and stupid and very parochial, then get ready for the reality of Scottish politics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that that all tracks and there's there's hardly a word of a lie there. Basically, like okay, the the real story goes like this. It goes back to Margaret Thatcher because every fucking thing in modern politics in the United Kingdom goes back to Margaret Thatcher because yes. she won, she got her way. Um, Margaret Thatcher wanted to change the political system of the UK so that only people who were landed or had money could vote. So she wanted to introduce a poll tax. They decided to test it in Scotland first. Uh, Scotland as a whole decided this was a terrible idea. This led to the poll tax riots. This, in a roundabout way, led to her government falling. In a very roundabout way. Um, But it inculcated a seething hatred for conservatism 
by which I mean the Conservative and Unionist Party, not yeah. the kind of reactionary thing they backed, into yeah. Scotland. And it built upon, like, you know, Labour's origins and the, uh, the Red Clyde side and all this kind of stuff. And so basically, as a consequence of this, Central Scotland, not so much for Highlands and Islands, but Central Scotland became a Labour fiefdom for a long time. And uh, Scotland got its revenge by inflicting Tony Blair, Alistair Darling, and Gordon Brown on the world. <laughs> Long story short, the Scottish National Party started to pick up some steam, and Tony Blair, in his infinite wisdom, figured it'd be a good idea to head this off. And the way to head this off, uh, the advice he got from Scottish Labour, was to set up a devolved parliament, the Scottish Parliament. Um, it was to be the, uh, the, the Scottish regional authority, except without the region part. They set this up. Labour did quite well in the first ever Scottish Parliament. And uh, after that, it basically gave the SNP the shot in the arm they needed to be able to take Scotland, more or less. And Scottish Labour has atrophied to the point that it's basically the dearth of political talent, because from their perspective, they had a sweet thing going and then the Scottish nationalists came along and took it from them, basically. And so all their politics can basically be reduced to those fucking SNP bastards, essentially. And that's why Scottish Labour in its present incarnation sucks. There's this uh, this long line, this um, repeated, never escaping trend of, of Scottish Labour people just getting their analysis completely wrong. And I think it starts around here with the infamous... Uh, uh, George Robertson quote about how devolution will kill nationalism stone dead. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Tactical mastermind. Because what what essentially happened is because Labour was totally safe, then they didn't have to put any political talent in it. No. They didn't have to have to do that at all. They used it as safe seats and you know parachuted in people who were not particularly brilliant with political talent. And meanwhile, Tony Blair also did his thing where he went around murdering any political talent that wasn't staunchly Blairite. Yep. And so you put those two things together and Scotland basically devolved to the point where the SNP didn't look complete shit in comparison. Yeah. And so we were able to kind of take the momentum from Scottish Labour. And that, that that's basically the long and short of why Scottish politics is the way it is. The rest of the story is basically we had an independence referendum in 2014 as a consequence of what we just discussed. And meanwhile, the Scottish Conservatives kind of reformed themselves by hitching their wagon to a woman called Ruth Davidson, who we'll talk about in a minute. And then as far as like the Lib Dems are concerned, they, you know, they basically run the islands where they, you know, have cut a deal with the people who live there to allow them to worship their old gods in peace in exchange for ferries. And that's, that's kind of it. But that's it. I've described Scottish politics to you. Oh yeah, there's also a Green Party. That's mm. it. Yeah, we've we've tried, I think, on a few occasions over the entire course of the podcast to occasionally try to explain why the Lib Dems maintain power in the Highlands and Islands. We don't really know. I don't think they really know. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's it's just one of these weird things that just kind of keeps happening. Maybe it's because there's so few people and, and they're kind of good at local issues. I have no idea, but um, the it's a yeah, very, the, the very thing that Lib Dems always get any plaudits on is actually being capable at a local level. Like they're yeah, usually yeah. quite good at stitching up a council and stuff. And I think yeah, probably because of the more close knit communities that you get up north, um, that's probably why they're actually able to turn that into some sort of electoral success, so that Willie Rennie can continually go down slides. <laughs> yeah, like basically, the share at a national level, 
But that works because the islanders don't trust national politics. Yes. They don't trust it full stop. Mm. So having this party that shit at a national level, but good at a local level, is a pretty good arrangement for them. Yeah. And that's it. Okay, doke. Well, I suppose that's that's a good primer. I think all I'll add to that is it's really easy to look at what the SNP did um, in, in the 2010s and beyond and think, wow, that's really impressive. When you put it into a context of it was up against the Tories in Scotland and Scottish Labour, it's actually not that impressive. Imagine if yeah. Keir Starmer had been running the party for like 15 years. <laughs> That's what Scottish <laughs> Labour already is. Yeah. There's also, there's a little known fact, which is that one of the things that gave the SNP a shot in the arm was, and I can't believe this is true, a couple won the Euro Millions. And yes. donated a million pounds to the SNP. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Literally, they won the lottery of electoralism. Yeah. I mean, there's there's um, there's a related point to sort of what's occurring now uh, at a national level, at a UK level with, with Labour. Uh, I always point to the rise of the SNP as a good example of what you can do by focusing efforts at a successful regional or, or, or local level. You can demonstrate a, a level of competence at a sort of smaller um uh multilateral area and you can then build on that sort of smaller success in a in a in a smaller context where it's easier to achieve as a platform to sort of building up right the whole where are people going to go uh where are labor voters going to go well they went somewhere but it, it 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 took a bit of time in the grand scheme of things it's about what like 15 years from what um when the SNP first starts getting steam to when it achieves its first type of um, breakthrough, uh, like real success, political hegemony, it's yeah. about fifteen years. Yeah, that's not a lot of time in politics, and I think that's worth keeping in mind. What can happen if you successfully weaponize a local interest again against like, the party like Scottish Labour? Um, yeah. yeah, but but. But UK Labour is looking more and more like Scottish Labour every single passing day. And we can't wait to see the results of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I too am looking forward to an English National Party sweeping to... Oh no. Oh no. Uh, uh Uh-oh. No, it's fine. We've got the nip. We've got the nip. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, We're we're quite (laughs) conscious of the fact that Scottish politics is a very particular kind of... um, mind poison that most people won't partake in for good reason um jamie how are you feeling at the moment uh i'm very included (laughs) (laughs) i thought as much okay so what we'll maybe do is we'll maybe just kind of you've had the kind of initial primer but we'll go through like what the parties are that we've actually got in scotland um and kind of where they sit, because they're not entirely analogous. The ones that have a UK counterpart, they're not totally analogous. Um, yeah. where, where should we start? Should we start on Scottish Labour? I go on. Right, okay. Scottish Labour, like I said, it's it's the Blairite factory. It's where they're made. Um, like, any sort of Blairite policy has probably been filtered through um, a Scottish mind at some point. They're all horrible. Um, like, you, you've got Tony Blair, you've got fucking Brown, like it's Alistair Darling. They're all fucking culprits and are absolute proof that there is no such thing as Scottish exceptionalism because they're just as bad. 
I honestly think one of his strongest arguments for Scottish independence, and hear me out, David, is that at least it would get rid of that factory from the rest of the UK. <laughs> it would save them from it, yeah. No, that, that's true. Yeah. It would be effectively be like a mercy suicide type thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Patient zero just killing themselves before they can spread the disease. <laughs> yeah, I would describe Scottish Labour as basically... Like, they're anti-independence conservatives with a small c. You know, I know we know we joke about Labour basically being like the Tories, but the Scottish Labour really are like the Tories of maybe 10, 15 years ago, I think. Would you guys agree with that? I, I don't know about that. I don't, think, I don't think you could really say that the... I think genuinely, like, they're as close as you can get to the true centrist ideal of a lack of ideology whatsoever at this point because they are mm. that drained of political capability. Yeah, I think generally I would agree. I do remember, and again, I moved to Scotland in 2010 from, from Europe, so my frame of reference is a little bit smaller. Um, but I do remember uh, when Joan Lamont was in charge of Scottish Labour, yes. there, there were the occasional moments where Labour could see they were being outflanked from the left by the SNP with regards to things like uh, tuition fees, um uh, free prescription stuff like that. Yeah, real simple. And every shit. now and again, every now and again, Lamont would try to sort of head that off by saying something. Yes, Labour supports, you, you know, something not shit, something slightly good. Yeah. And then the next day, you would get someone like Chukamana, or yeah, or someone from the head Labour office would say, no, no, that's completely not true. We don't support that at all. It's you know not happening. That's not Labour policy. And you'd be like, well, cool, okay, um, you tried, an attempt mm. was made. Um, but that was um, not long lasting. I mean, Richard Leonard maybe tried. I think he was meant to be the sort of left wing candidate, wasn't he? he yeah, was, he was meant yeah. to be like the Corbyn analog, essentially. He, he was like he, the Corbyn lot, like, yeah, Richard Leonard. He, still, yeah, Richard yeah. Leonard came from a, a union background and stuff. Like, he, he, he was generally not that bad on a policy plan. He was no Corbyn. Yeah. And even then, like, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, Corbyn was the compromise and not what we were actually hoping for. Um, so Leonard was, like, a little more of a disappointment, but at least he wasn't a Blairite. Remember Neil Finlay was also meant to be the, the great left hope when he ran. I don't mm -hmm. remember against who, but he lost. And since then, he's become very, very strange. Um, but, yeah, Richard Leonard just ended up being a bit gormless, wasn't he? Like... He yes, was but... he was hamstrung at every single possible opportunity by the um, machinery of Scotland, uh, Scottish Labour HQ. Mm. Like, if you thought Jeremy Corbyn got it thinking, like, Richard Leonard couldn't write a fucking email without it being fucking <laughs> intercepted and changed. Like that That is not a joke. That's not an exaggeration. That's literally true. Mm, yes. Um, <laughs> this is like, Jackie Bailey, etc. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, like, this leads into a more general point, which is the impression in Scotland for a while has been people asking well, what's the point of Scottish Labour? Because any time they try and do anything to actually deal with political reality in Scotland, it's either shut down by its own machine or overruled by Labour down south. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. been, like, that's fed into their decline, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. That's that's Scottish Labour in a nutshell, really, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really disagree. I'm, 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 I'm personally a bit more just sort of angry about their existence or I, I take it a bit more personally, <laughs> I think. Being an immigrant, maybe I don't know, but um, yeah, there's a there's a level of visceral antipathy to to Scottish Labour among the sort of general Scottish left, which is very well deserved, I think. 
I think the only thing I would take issue with is the idea that we joke about Labour being the same as the Tories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. I, I, I don't know. I just in Scotland, I genuinely do think they are basically like they're the Scottish Tories before the Tories went flashlight. Is my kind of take on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, which, yeah they've moved to occupy the space in which the Tories used yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. So the, the same as English Labour, then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. In a, in a yeah, especially now where the Blairites are kind of you know on the rise again. So totally. Yeah. But just remember, they've done this for ten years now, like at least. Who's who's? I genuinely don't know the answer to this, which is really bad of me because I'm meant to be tied into Scottish politics, but I don't care. They're not relevant. Who's the leader of Scottish Labour right now, David? Anna Sarwar. Um, oh yes, 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 I remember now. <laughs> yes, I, I I can't remember what it is that he did that was bad. I know that it is bad, and it's really not very labory. But just just Google Anasarwa dodgy or something like that, and you'll find small, some tabloid small link. business owner or something, isn't he? He's he's ran every single time. I th- yeah, I think there's it was almost Trumpian. There's like a family business and undisclosed yeah. accounts. And, yeah, you know, there's like all sorts of, of weird shit going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just just go, so go ahead and Google a, that. He's an absolute an absolute crime guy. Is that our official <laughs> statement on the matter? <laughs> It's a crime that he's leader of Scottish Labour, yes, that's right. Um, I actually, I looked up his Wikipedia page and there's a section called Ideology. Does it have one of those disambiguation links that says you might want to look at like financial crimes or something like that instead? (laughs) I mean, not quite, but it does have a section specifically headed Ideology. Do you want to hear Anna Sawa's like Ideology? Because this was almost certainly written by one of his like goblins in his office, right? Described as being on the political right of the Labour Party, Sawa identifies as a Brownite and has been critical oh. of both Tony Blair and Jeremy Corbyn. He says <laughs> former Prime Minister Gordon Brown is one of his political heroes. As for Blair, Sawa has been heavily critical of the Iraq war, calling it the worst foreign policy decision in my lifetime. Sawa was opposed to leaving the European Union and insisted that the UK needed to stay in a single market in order to counter the Conservatives' austerity policies. Despite having criticised Corbyn in the past, Sawa insisted that his economic plans would be even more progressive and radical than those of Corbyn and John McDonnell. He's such a centrist, he can't even commit to, to centrism properly. He's got to find the compromised centrist guy, which is Gordon Brown. Yes. Like, no, 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 Blairism, that's a bit too, you know, like, I'm, 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 I'm the real big brain guy over here. I'm going to go with Gordon Brown. I'm a Brownite. His, it's, 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 um, it reminded me of his dad's Facebook page, which if you go to personal life under Mohammed Sarwar, it said he's a supporter of Glasgow football teams. Celtic and Rangers, <laughs> which is just ultra—that's—that's that's perfect, I think, for for British political centrism in a nutshell. Yes, oh, yeah, I support. It's, it's the zenith of centrism, absolutely. Yeah, I like, mean, it makes a bit of sense. He, uh, he, you know, he spends a Friday night, you know, tanning back some cans and playing the pipe and flute, and at the end of it, he has like uh, autoerotic asphyxiation kind of thing to punish himself. <laughs> yeah, very much, kind of. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Okay, um, right, well, we move on then to the Scottish Please, Tories. God, yes. Apparently, um, I've just looked it up, apparently he accepted a £4,000 political donation from a company owned by a convicted paedophile. That was it. That was the one. I knew there was something there. Yeah. <laughs> Labour friends of nonces. Right, anyway, moving on. Scottish Tories. Who would like oh. to take the Scottish Tories? I don't recognise them. Do you mean the Ruth Davidson party? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. 
okay, so the Tories in Scotland did terribly until along came Ruth Davidson, who is a, a, a sort of all right speaker. Like, she's she's okay. She's got a little bit of charisma to her. Which, again, in Scottish politics is wild and unknown for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I only reference this, like, hear me out on this. She's a lesbian. And she was essentially parlayed that as being the look where the, you know, we're not like the other Tories. We're progressive. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we're not the old fuddy-duddies. We're not your old Conservative Party. We're a new party. We're the Ruth Davidson Party, essentially. Um, despite being, you know, a bit of a danger when it came to voting for LGBT rights and all the rest of it, as yeah. you expect from Tories. So, yeah, they love a bit of tokenism, don't they? Yeah, they, they basically rebuilt the party around Ruth Davidson. And then when Boris Johnson got in, Ruth Davidson took a long, hard look at things and said, nah, I'm out. This is not going to work. And she resigned as leader. Bit embarrassing for them because they literally, like, their election leaflets coming through the door would be Ruth Davidson. And yeah. then in tiny, tiny text, like on the back page, <laughs> at the bottom right, it would be like promoted by the Conservative and Unionist Party. Like that's that's how we were going for it. And so she still appears on a lot of their election materials, yeah. like endorsing people. And um, I know someone whose elderly parent is apparently a lifelong Tory and who now has reduced capacity. And they are responsible for helping her vote, right? And they received her, the, the voting forms for the Conservative and Unionist Party, right? For their new leader and for their list MSPs. Um, and this is how blatant it was. When the, the vote form came through with the statements from each of the list MSPs, they wanted to, you know, people who were standing to be MSPs on the regional list for the Conservatives. It started with a foreword from Ruth Davidson saying who she suggested everyone endorse. <laughs> the actual voting stuff started with a statement from Ruth Davidson going, yeah, just vote for these particular people. That's like, great. That's like the Entertainment 720 Parks and Rec thing where, where Tom just plasters his own fucking brand over everything <laughs> yeah. tiny little letters jackson carlaw you know like down at the bottom <laughs> as a footnote <laughs> so they're kind of they're in a they're in a bit of a bind where they basically need to move on from ruth davidson who i believe is becoming a baroness or is a baroness now she's taking the ermine yep she's fucking off yep um but they, they need to kind of move on from her i believe she's still an msp up until this election that's that's coming up that we're, we're doing this podcast for um, but in her place, they have a new leader. David, tell us about a new leader. The new leader is a dobble. Um, he <laughs> is best defined by his only other um, occupation that we know of, which is a part-time football referee. <laughs> now, if you wanted to find the kind of guy that everyone in Scotland could love, <laughs> it would be a football referee. <laughs> There's a fucking Matt McGinn song. People should just bring that out. Do you know the tune? Why did I ever become a football referee? <laughs> I like to think it is not cop, but cop adjacent kind of vibe. <laughs> yes. 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 It's the pussy cops who can't actually, you know, put themselves out in any, like, you know, level of, of contact with real people in cities. <laughs> so they just go to fucking... He was refereeing Champions League games, the fucker. Yeah. There was a... Um, an infamous moment. He missed the fucking vote. Yeah. Um, he is um, famously known for... In fact, we played it when he became leader on the podcast, that interview, where if he could enact any one policy, it would be stronger controls on gypsy travellers. Slip. Cool, mate. Very good. That was that was the first thing he would do with the unlimited power of the state would be to crack down on GRT people. 
Love to see it. Thanks very much, mate. Good job, prick. Do you yeah. want to hear uh, everything you need to know about Douglas Ross, by the way? Oh, yes. I think we just did, didn't we? Well, well there's one little pertinent detail. He is currently a sitting MP, member of the House of Parliament in Westminster. He has stated that if he becomes an MSP at this election, he's going to double job it and stay both an MSP and an MP at the same time and get salaries from both. Well, it's not like he's fucking busy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not really, no. No, he's going to be a double jobby. Jobber? <laughs> no, Jobby was right. Jobby was right. <laughs> Being one one turd wasn't enough. Well, he's an absolute cunt, so let's just all call him Rugless Doss on Twitter and then forget all about him. <laughs> yeah, that'd be grand. Someone popped into one of his uh, live stream Q&As uh, with a fake name, which uh, ended up being fairly hilarious if you haven't seen that. Oh, prick. Anyway, yeah, Scottish Tories. They're just Tories, except weirder. Um, like, it's a very specific type of brain disease you need to really have to be a Scottish Tory, of all things. Um, so, yeah, you can you can probably imagine. So, there's probably enough said on them. Yeah, it's it, Scottish Tories, I imagine that, like, that meme where the, the kid's got the boot stamping on his face, but when you, like, pull back his own hands, <laughs> like, in the boot. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. to a T. Yeah. That's absolutely it. Um, right, the Scottish Lib Dems. Willie Rennie! They are led by Willie Rennie! <laughs> yeah, it's very important that you get the intonation on his name right when you say yes. it. You have to sound like you're going down a slide with enthusiasm. Because that is Willie Rennie's political trajectory. Going down a slide with enthusiasm. <laughs> All he does is photo ops! It is, you know, that's it. The man exists to do a weird photo op. I'm convinced yeah. that there's someone in that Lib Dem office who is bored at their mind and just every time an election comes around, they try and get themselves fired by trying to devise a weirder thing for it to do. And the man's so oblivious to himself, he just goes, that sounds great, and just goes ahead with it. Yeah, fucking let's go to the beach. Put me in a giant beach chair. <laughs> so I look like a so I look like a tiny person. <laughs> His most recent photo op was literally sitting on a beach with yeah. the fourth road bridge, was it, in the background, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um on a a giant, and I mean like three three to five times the size it should be, deck chair in yellow, because Lib Dems, yeah. with um was he sitting it was a young child he was sitting with, like he was reading him a story. Some or shit like that, yeah, and then the child started crying and they made sure to get and take and publish the pictures of the child crying and him looking <laughs> yeah. confused at the child crying. It's just fucking Being wild. Taken it's back so by good. By their mother. Yeah. It's it's just like it's it's genuinely I don't I don't quite get the bit. Like, it's clearly some kind of bit. I don't get it. In the in the last elections, my favourite bit in the 2016 elections was Willie Rennie went to a fucking petting zoo, right? <laughs> and he gave an interview in front of a pig pen. And he said, um, well, this is this is basically symbolising what this campaign is all about. And um, I don't really understand it. I can't really, you know, I, I can't express it. But I'm sure someone somewhere will make sense of what it means. As in the background, two pigs started shagging. <laughs> fucking perfect like honestly whoever it is that organises these things requires a fucking medal maybe it's just him and he's living his best life and we're all you know like rubes for dunking on him because he's having a great time that would be it, the happy it might ending be. I, I mean it's not going to stop me but it might well be the guy's just fucking unreal like I, the, the, the deck chair thing just 
like what what is the message behind that is it it's, i am a manlet like like what in, what energy is he trying to give off in the giant deck chair it's such in a tw- big deck chair it's legit like trump loyal shit he looks like a small small person he looks like a fucking um uh uh gulliver's travels guy yeah yeah <laughs> the thing is like in 2016 they they did a good thing which is they did all that stupid bullshit but then every chance they got they said and of course our policy is a penny on tax for education a penny for education a penny for education and it kind of worked because you ask people uh what the lib dems about i'm like oh they're gonna put a penny on education and it kind of stuck i don't know what their equivalent is this time like i've not i've not heard it i don't know i, what I don't it think is it's there. whatever it is it's not came out yet yeah. yeah. What the fuck's that supposed to mean? Anyway, they're going to put a penny on education. Yes. Nothing, because they're not going to get the chance to do it. It's just something to stick in people's minds. So people go, oh, uh, putting a penny on education. We like education, and a penny's not much. That sounds good, right? Um, but it works. Does, like, does it sound good, though? I mean, to people who think, no. But to, <laughs> you know, people who just kind of hear shit and go, oh, I suppose I'll, I'll toss a vote, or a list vote to the Lib Dems, you know? Like, uh... I, honestly, I, this strategy seems very much to be the case of we're just going to hold our niche. And I kind of can respect that a little bit. I mean, obviously, I don't like the party, but, you know, if your strategy is we don't have ambitions, but we're not going to decline like Scottish Labour, I think that's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they They're don't going... really rock the boat, do they? No, just kinda... What in yeah. Christ's fuck is that picture you've just posted in the Discord? <laughs> that's, that's the yeah. deck chair. That's him. That's really him. Yeah. It's going to go when he likes real. That's real. That, that is real it's and real. authorised by the Liberal Democrats in Scotland. In fact, click through to that and just go through the little thread that I've made of other photo opportunities. <clears throat> there are some fucking this will, this will get This will get circulated for you, our listener. Like, if you go to our Twitter, at PraxisCast, about the time you're listening to this episode, you'll find a, a, a whole bunch of these pictures. We've got Willie Rennie in a giant deck chair. Willie Rennie going down a slide, and the slide has been painted with flames, with children also on the slide. The next one is him wrestling a sheep with a big gunning face. Then you've got him dressed up as a wizard. Then you've got him gunning a boxer dog. Then you've got him dressed up as Santa with an elf, and the elf's hat says the sun. And then you've got him building sandcastles with children and looking extremely excited about it. Then you've got him dressed up as Marty fucking McFly outside a fucking DeLorean. And then you've got him winning fucking go-karting and doing a a mid-air jump photo. (laughs) He's having a great time. He is. He's fucking loving life. If anyone's actually winning at Scottish politics, it's Willie Rennie. (laughs) How are the Lib Dems so consistently normal? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, honest, like, honestly, all of that, all of that fucking like mad shit he's doing there is like way more serious politics than fucking gurning at a pint of milk or like executing squirrels in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, I w- yeah, I was gonna say like there's 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 uh, precedent for the English Lib Dems with weird photoshops like Tim Farron and his fucking jug of milk, but that was just weird. And you say you say weird photoshops, you say weird photoshops that implies he didn't fucking do it. No, he I said photo it. shoots. <clears throat> Oh, sorry, like right. you've got um, yeah. fucking, I like you've got fucking Tim Farron with his milk. You've got every year Joe Swinson with her fucking Easter eggs that she hates for reasons Vince unknown. Vince Cable in his hat, you know, like fu- Vince Cable in his hat, <laughs> and then you've just got Willie Rennie doing literally fucking anything the what guy tells him to do. I'd forgotten about Vince Cable's fucking sex crime hat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> Vince Milady Cable. Yeah, going in for the going in for the George Galloway voter there, like yeah, back to yeah, yeah, I, uh, I thought he was trying to do like a Breaking Bad thing, but just very no, <laughs> no, no. He, he was he was just doing a fucking weird Vince Cable thing. Yeah, right, but I think that's that's probably enough on the Scottish Lib Dems. Yeah. There's no point in talking about the policy platform because nobody cares about it, and we don't know what dark secrets that they promise up north to continue giving them seats. Ferries. It's ferries. It's just ferries. Yeah, okay, ferries. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the three unionist parties. That's the three big unionist ones, so let's let's start hitting out at the independence ones. Um, the SNP. The machine. And like, yeah. so the, appropriate the, music in the background for that. The SNP are, up to this point, an electoral force, except the force is occurring within a vacuum. Imagine, imagine if a broad church was an actual viable thing, and broad churches are viable things when you make it a single issue to unite people with. Um, don't worry about that. We'll sort it after the thing, and it's mm-hmm. dead easy to keep a party together. Labour can't hold itself together because it actually needs to make fucking policy decisions. At least down south, up here, it doesn't matter because there's only one question, um, and and that's one of the, one of the big reasons that Labour's fell apart the way it has is because it can't unite on any one policy position because. It is a broad church and people are now actually wanting ideology out of the party and it's not going well. The SNP don't necessarily have to do that. They can do a bunch of internal compromise stuff and so long as the independence question is finally answered the right way, that's fine. People are generally willing to wait and mm-hmm. that's largely been their success. I think for, pe- yeah, for, for people outside of Scotland, I think the most interesting aspect of the SNP is the sheer hegemonic success, right? That yes. after so many years of picking up so many seats in such a widespread of the country, they're still polling so high and they have such high approval ratings. Like everyone fucking loves Nicola Sturgeon after years in government. And that never happens in like your sort of standard Western kind of liberal democracy. That's, that's an clarification. Not everyone a, loves her. <laughs> okay, sure, but in relation to the way <laughs> approval ratings for Relative political parties and people else, yes. in government usually go, right? This mm. is anomalous. It's 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 the kind of thing that you don't really see anywhere. That after so many years in actual power, um, they're still pretty Teflon. They yeah I, yeah. They've, I mean, they've got the they've got the whole like. I, I honestly think a large part of it is they've really really doubled down on the Obama kind of approach to politics which is to appear mm. to be everything to everyone mm-hmm. and then anything that you don't want to appear to be, you otherize really hard. Mm. And I think that's that's basically it. That's, that's their success yeah. because, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of voters in Scotland who genuinely believe the SNP are a left-wing party. Yeah, and the, they are, the SNP, they are, not. They are a self-described centre-left party. They are a centre party. They're not necessarily remotely a left party. Um, yeah, they, they are. I mean, they that are, becomes relative. You know, what is centre left? I mean, left nowadays. yeah, they, they, they're centre left relative. When you've got fucking Scottish Labour and the Tories sitting there, then you could argue. Even then, to be sat next to Scottish Labour and the Tories, and then only be able to call yourself the centre left party, yeah. is in itself quite telling. Um, no, I meant even like Europe wise, like 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 if you compare them to like on Marsh in France, right? Macron's party, I I reckon you could probably accurately describe the SNP as centre-left, I think. Like, in a wider context of things, I'm not too fussed with 
the name, of course, uh, yeah. what is left the, the, is the concept. Prob- yeah, <laughs> the concept of a centre left is in itself meaningless because we mm-hmm. all know there's three separate groupings. There's the left wing, there's the right wing, and there's the people in the middle who really want to pretend to be left wing because they're embarrassed about saying they're right wing. Like that's the three groups in politics, and the SNP definitely fall into the third camp. There are yeah, left wing I mean, elements of the party. I mean, you can look at certain <laughs> um, people. Mary Black, for example, is someone that you could quite easily say, "Well, she sounds pretty left wing," um, but at the same time, it's all part of the broad church. Um, like I've got a lot of problems with the SNP. Not not specifically just because of the fucking pro-independence stance um, and it being a liberal party, but it's more the fact that they are very, very good at talking like a left-wing party. And part Mm -hmm. of that is down to the fact that they're doing that in an absolute vacuum of left-wing policy for the most part. What there is in left-wing policy from other parties, which we'll go on to, you don't really hear about because they don't get given the space for it. Um, In any sort of way that the media will let messaging happen because the media loves the Hegemonic SNP and the, the uphill battle against them. Like, that's really all <laughs> It's a one it. party state, David. It's yeah, a they... one party state. Are you not outraged? I would imagine that the enduring popularity of the SNP is entirely down to fucking English dickheads on Twitter, like to Colin, uh, Colin Sturge and Jimmy Cranky every time she's in the news. Like, because, guess... like, I honestly, every time I see that, I think about getting in the car and driving north to vote for them. <laughs> yeah, like you're not you're not wrong. Like part of the SNP's trick, right? And I've I've talked about this before, is that we live in a time of declining conditions, and in England, the general thing that like you know UKIP and the Tories have done is to turn around and point at you know look at your black neighbour, look at your immigrants, look at you know they've done all the they've hit the historical racist kind of you know otherization and you know the slide into fascism to do it. Scotland's been lucky. You know, the SNP get to point to an actual real democratic issue with the way power is distributed and like the way Scotland votes historically and what it gets in terms of governments. And they've basically been able to offload it all by pointing at Westminster and going, look, it's them fuckers. It's them fuckers. And so that, that's been key to a lot of their success. Like people talk about anti-English sentiment. It's not really. It's not really anti-English sentiment. Well, it, it fucking it's- should be. <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> There's uh, thereby uh, I hangs say, a tail. I would say anti-English sentiment is real, but it's good. Absolutely. Since I live since about. I live south of the border, I can I can absolutely like one hundred percent confirm that everyone down here has only three points of reference for Scotland, and that's the Crankies, Ur Woolley, and Russ Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Wow. Uh, God, I wasn't expecting to be the fucking English apologist on the podcast, so I, I'm feeling a bit weird now. Um, but... Well, you should have done your fucking homework, then. <laughs> Apparently, I, I mean, I don't fuck like, all of us. It's like baldness, right? It's a spiritual thing, really. Oh wow. You know, I mean, are, there's Northumbria. That's you know not really English English in the sense that we understand it, you know, like in a metaphysical, political, oh, I mean, ideology I, sort of approach. I, or if Liverpool. I drive far enough, if I drive far enough south, people ask me if I'm Scottish. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. point where that happens is well north of France. So take, <laughs> take from that what you will. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, God, wow. Um, I've got family in Hull. And when I go down there, it's quite interesting to see the different reactions you get. Um, cause some people genuinely think, oh, right. So what bit are you from then? And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? It's like, oh, 
whereabouts I, I don't quite clock your accent. And I have been mistaken for being a local before. But if I go south of Hull and I go further down into England, then I and my cousins who live in Hull and have the, the most Hull-like accent you can imagine do get all called Scottish. It's really quite bizarre. Yeah. Funnily enough, I've never had this issue. <laughs> oh fuck what are we talking about Aye, SNP. me neither yeah, but I've they... never been to England no that's not true but I don't go <laughs> like, wise yeah they, basic, they basically like the, the SNP by styling themselves as against the Tories and against that regressive right wing policy even where they're actually comfortable with some of it by styling themselves that way and by offloading everything onto the hated Westminster and its Tory governments, um, they've yeah. basically been a bit like Teflon. Because it's kind of like, you know, no matter how much they fuck things, and they have fucked things, it's nothing compared to the fucking, like, scorched earth garbage fire mm-hmm. that's taken place in Westminster, you know? There's, like, um, um, <clears throat> there's, there's a lot that the SNP can thank Labour and Tony Blair specifically for because if yeah. it wasn't for the pivot away from any sort of left-wing policy, the SNP would have had a much fucking harder time. Um, had, had Jeremy Corbyn came about a few years earlier, things may be very different. We don't quite know because it's that absolute vacuum of... Um, ideas or voice on the left at all really gave them the space to just do the bare minimum on that front and toss an mm. occasional bone in like here's some free prescriptions yeah okay here's yeah. here's fucking here's some really convoluted fucking bus pass or some shit like that like that kind of stuff is all you need to do really to say well we're trying there's a lot of it then that's hidden behind but Westminster won't let us do the the good things we want to do yeah. them properly, etc. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. And I again, mean, it, they're a single issue party. They want that thing, so they're going to use certain issues in such a way. But at that point, it starts to betray the centre left message, which is something that they are unfortunately quite famous for, because they will use a, a wedge on the left to, and. and mm-hmm put that into the independence issue and say we could do this so much better if we were independent but you just need to wait for a referendum guys I mean and it, it, it fucks it all yeah to an extent some of that I, I would say maybe a bit more than people might think is true there, there are issues with you know the, the Barnett formula uh, budget settlements uh, there's no borrowing powers a lot of the actual mechanisms by which you would usually enact um, uh, change via investment in a domestic economy from a left-wing perspective is uh, is hamstrung. Um, but they are st- very much still coasting on um, those few years when they were able to outflank Labour from the left pretty publicly, pretty viscerally, like, like, like it was big things that you could see um, on things like prescriptions and, and tuition fees. And then later there were things like the bedroom tax, Mm-hmm. Um, like there's been a lot of high profile. Um, there has been, yeah. Issues. It's not to say that they haven't done good yeah. things because they but have done a I'm few, saying, but they're very few. I'm and saying far high between. profile. Yeah, I'm saying specifically high profile because they've they've managed to really conquer the use of sort of sim, uh, symbolism. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the the last successful um, engagement of liberalism as a political ideology. 
mm-hmm. right? Where they're successful at using that kind of symbolic, superficial stuff that liberals love, um, but they're actually good at doing it and it works. Um, and and they also know that it did have to come with some material benefits, and there have been some, yeah. right? Um, and other liberal people, other liberal parties could really have um, a much stronger power base if they knew that. And we've, I, I like to uh, frequently compare Starmer and Biden, where like Biden will at least, you know, make some token movements towards the left and Starmer just refuses to understand the tactical viability of that. Uh, yeah. We're yet, we don't know how successful Biden's going to be, but this idea about liberalism being successful when it can meet that 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 sweet spot between just enough material compromise and the right type of symbolic messaging. I think the S and P is a very interesting case study yeah. for people outside of Scotland. The thing the thing with that comparison is, is Biden like genuinely wants to defeat like Trump. Do you know what I mean? Like he'll work with the left to some extent because he's aware of the fact that like he doesn't want to be the new Hillary Clinton. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't want to be the guy that like lost a fucking open goal election to a, like a, a roaring fucking dipshit. Whereas Starmer, he nearly is, did. I mean, he nearly did. Know. Oh yeah, he absolutely, absolutely barely like scraped through. Which is fucking. I'm not, I'm not standing for the guy at all. Like he's fucking mm. useless. But you know, whereas like Starmer is just a fucking MI6 plant or whatever. You know what I mean? He's just <laughs> yeah. he's just there to tank the fucking Labour Party on purpose. Yeah, so this other day, I mean, he might not be, but if he was, would he be doing anything any differently? Probably yeah, not. Yeah, no, I've been, I've, been, you know? I've been quite consistent on this. Like, he has controlled opposition. Mm-hmm. He has simulated opposition, in fact. And, mm. you know, the, the thesis that, you know, our jokey AI Starmer is indeed a more effective Labour leader than the real thing. So at that point, you have <laughs> yeah. to ask, well, is it a distinction with a difference or not? I'm sure. I'm fr- yep. uh, yeah, he, he is there. Like, he is a state asset, I'm convinced. It doesn't matter whether he knows he is or not. He is. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing, the thing with the, the like, I, I get what you're saying with the, the, the probably like the the last gasp of successful liberalism, um, but one thing that we are seeing is that as liberals, they are completely fucking useless when they are faced with a culture war issue, and that's now mm. starting to take its ah. toll. Which will take us on to another pro independence party, which is good on this. And doesn't have turfs in it, unlike all of the other fucking parties we've just spoke about, which is the Scottish Greens. And I suppose James, you really need to take this one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, long-time listeners will know this. Full disclosure: I am a Scottish Green, and I'm not just a random voter Scottish Green. I've been deeply involved in the politics of the Scottish Green Party. I've been employed by the Scottish Green Party previously at last election. I'm not doing anything for them this time round. Um, that's you know, other people are taking that. So everything I'm about to say, please do take with a bucket of salt. You know, I, I encourage skepticism and to, to look at it yourself and make your own like opinions. Um, the Scottish Greens started back in the day as an ecology party. And they were, you know, part of the whole ecology party of the United Kingdom. Eventually, when the Scottish Parliament came about, the whole thing split. And it was an amicable split. And so the Green Party in Wales and the Scottish Green Party are not the same party. Scottish Labour is a subdivision of Labour. Yeah. <laughs> Scottish Lib Dems are a subdivision of the Lib Dems. The Scottish Conservatives are a subdivision of the Scottish Conservatives. The Scottish Greens are their own thing. And that has meant that the Scottish Greens have been able to go their own path, pursue a different political climate in Scotland. And I think it's fair to say that most of the Scottish Green Party's policies these days 
are socialist, even if the Scottish Green Party as a whole is still a tiny little bit nervous about claiming that label. And um, I'm quite I'm quite pleased with that. I'm quite proud of it. I, I honestly think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I think the Scottish Greens are the most successful left-wing party in Scotland. And I think it's fair to say they're actually left. Oh, yeah, yeah, by far, um, yeah. They're, they're pro-independence. And I joined them I joined them at the end of 2014 because, you know, I, I was I was pro-yes. And that is the one fucking question in the, in the country these days. And at the end of, of that whole thing, I took a long, hard look and I said, well, it's either SNP or it's Scottish Green. And I decided that I liked the Scottish Greens policies more and I figured it was better to be, you know, sincere than to like pursue something for the sake of like, you know, just having success necessarily. I didn't quite realise the potential it was in the Scottish Greens when I joined. And um, yeah, like they're, they are led by co-leaders, unlike the other parties. There are two leaders. It's uh, Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater at present. Um, Patrick Harvey is the only one that's in Parliament, though Lorna is on the regional list for Edinburgh, I want to say. Um, <laughs> she would have been number three on the regional list, but then Andy Whiteman decided to shit himself very publicly <laughs> and storm off out of the party, which we'll, we'll, I guess we'll talk about in a bit. But James, um, so she... how, will, how will women be protected if Andy Whiteman doesn't get to do whatever the fuck he wants? <laughs> Sorry, I can't. No, I just, <laughs> just I, 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 like my brain genuinely seg faults with when, with that because I can't even engage with it. Andy Whiteman is a deeply unpleasant man. Um, I I know him personally, and uh, yeah, the, the, he 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 went about what he did in the most personally awful and destructive way possible. But I can't talk about because it it's not my business, and I'm not the person, and I'm not the person or the people he was personally awful to. But I know about it, so he's a badger. Take my word for it. Um, yeah, so like, so that's it. And like the major, like, so we talked about the culture stuff and David used that as a lead in. Um, a few years ago, the Scottish Greens were convinced by some person, who knows who they were, <laughs> to essentially be a pro-trans party, the only pro-trans party in Scotland, to be entirely on board with trans positivity. And whoever did this um, was thinking at the time that, huh, this seems like the natural, obvious fault line other than the big question because it shows up the contradictions of the SNP quite broadly. And also it's morally right. Mm -hmm. And uh, that leads us to where the, the Scott Greens basically sit now, where essentially the SNP hates the Scottish Greens because the Scottish Greens can actually credibly attack the SNP from the left about the things they say they're about and won't do. And there's lots of historical examples of this. Like people might not remember, but when Alex when when Alex Salmond was in charge of the SNP all that time ago, the SNP stood on a platform of scrapping the council tax, and then just quietly got rid of it. And their arguments going in were, oh, you know, the council tax is regressive. We need to restructure it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All true. And then they just dropped it. And it's kind of been that way with all of their policies. And where the Scottish Greens have in recent years actually started to do well is when they've actually firmly committed to following up on left policy and in pressuring the SNP. And um, a lot of people kind of make criticism that the Scottish Greens are in the pocket of the SNP and they totally misread the nature of the relationship in that um, because the Scottish Greens basically pressure the SNP to do what they want um, to actually deliver on their left-wing policy because otherwise the SNP have to cut a deal with, well, Scottish Labour, which is never going to happen. Scottish Lib Dems, that might, but, I mean, do they really want to build ferries? Or the Scottish <laughs> Tories? And that's that's basically it. That's the, that's yeah. the structure, and that explains all our Scottish Parliament. Ironically, um, I think the, the last high-profile moment when this happened was about a housing issue, and the, um, the, 
the specific Green Party um, parliamentarian who uh, was the face of that was, well, is now no longer a Green Party um, member. Yeah. Uh, is that, yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's a small country. <laughs> it, yeah. And it doesn't like, at present, there are only six Green MSPs. We'll see whether that goes up or not at this election. I'm quietly hopeful. I think the, um, the polling is optimistic, I think. You know. Excuse me, I should correct myself. There are five green MSPs right now. One of them <laughs> <Yeah>. left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should probably talk about that because it talk it, like that, that speaks to the current state of yeah. Scottish politics quite directly. Definitely. So, that's a nice shame I've been talking too long. Do we wanna just yeah, do we wanna just contextualize uh, before getting yeah. into the nitty gritty? Like like like, like like why did we decide to record this today of all days? What has been happening and like 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 why why the case study that we're about to talk about is let's 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 just kind of revisit that point right that this would be the fault line would be um would be tranche rights would would end up being a fault line in scottish politics and yes um the snp the notably unified <clears throat> to a terrifying point block of the snp has finally like after fucking years had a proper public falling out with itself in places um, because mm -hmm. of the... Um, forgive me, what's the name of the bill? Gender Sorry, Recognition Gender Act. Recognition Act. So the, the Gender Recognition Act has been kind of working its way through um, the many long fingers of the Scottish government system through multiple surveys and... Yeah. It's, um, it's been SNP manifesto policy for ages. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They, like, they've ran on it. Like they've said they're going to do yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of finally, it's a policy that's finally kind of come back to bite them on the arse because the turfy wings of the SNP, there's a joke in there if you noticed it, um, <laughs> are livid at the idea that this kind of thing could pass. That you know, trans women could be recognised as women. It's it's broken quite a few of them. Um, well, I mean, later. let's let's let let's be clear about the actual reform because I I find this is um, uh, this plays into the sort of the turf narrative because what they love to do is misrepresent what the legislation would actually do, not mm -hmm. that they not that they're right anyway, but it's 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 stunning to me how a bill that is essentially a, an administrative change yes. to a bureaucratic process to make it more dignified and to align with the European Court of Human Rights um, <clears throat> has, has, has somehow managed to be spun by a bunch of like dark money funded, evangelical, Texan connected, uh, massive dipshits into being some... Um, uh, get out of jail free card for sexual assault yeah kind of thing it's 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 bizarre it's insane if you go read the actual bill and try to find out what people are actually mad about you will be scratching your head because there's <laughs> nothing fucking there yeah it's literally from what i remember and i've and i've looked this up a bunch of times because it always drives me nuts um it would change from the the person seeking a gender recognition form would no longer have to subject themselves to a medical panel of people who do not know them, right? Yep. And, and would instead be able to simply make a legal declaration uh, 
about their um, uh, change in personal circumstance. And the European Court of Human Rights has said, has ruled on a similar case that said that you cannot, um, you can't require or you can't restrict someone's ability to live as, as, as the person they are. Um, you can't require them to subject themselves to a violation of their bodily autonomy, which is where the medical... Uh, uh, panel comes in. You can't demand that they have surgery. You can't demand that they um, undergo specific treatments. You you can't put all these medical restrictions on someone being who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what the bill changes. It, it it just takes away from an overly long bureaucratic process that makes life miserable for 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 for, for so many trans people into something that just is dignified. Yeah. And, and respectful and has happened in a bunch of other countries. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going long on. Sorry. That was a bit longer than I meant to, but Christ. No, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's no, worth saying. Like, it's definitely yeah, worth like saying. If you look at the bill, look at the bill is short. It's easy to understand. It's on the Scottish government website. You can look it up and you can try it's... to work out why people are mad and you will not be able to, to find out because it's all lies and bullshit. So too long didn't read. We are a trans right podcast. If you're not cool with that, stop listening to us. We don't want you. <laughs> and uh, everything Elijah just said is true. It's like, yeah. it's, it's not, this is not, you know, upending heaven. This is just changing bureaucratic process to stop immiserating trans people. Yeah. That's it. That's, and, that's all it really is. And the core issue there is that this will stop immiserating trans people. And that's why the TERFs are mad. Basically. Yeah. So, like, and boy, the, howdy, are they the, the SNP specifically, right? Like I was saying, they have been a very unified party. There hasn't been any obvious fault lines to kind of hamper them in any way over, excuse me, over the years and over successive governments until now, because we're at that stage of cultural worship where the TERFs won't shut the fuck up, um, mm. even when told to with funny JPEGs, and. <laughs> The most high profile of these in the SNP is, um, I'm sure most people listening would know, is Joanna Cherry, who is an MP, um, also a QC, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, so so that, highly again, fucking normal then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fitting the bracket of a QC perfectly, yeah. Um, yeah, she is livid about anything to do with trans rights, effectively. Um, she has been very... Um, very open as a, a gender critical um fuck it, I don't know what fuck they Aye. Aye. Um one of them. So Can I she, can we just can we just use the call them by their proper name, which is transphobes? Because they call themselves gender critical. Oh fuck yeah, them. yeah. They They're do. transphobes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turf was a um a, a self defined acronym as well, wasn't it? Like like yes, that oh, comes yeah, yeah. from yes. them. And now yes. they think it's a slur. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but this, the slur part is that people are using it with contempt. That's what yes, they object to. That's it. Culture war. How does it work? Um, yeah, so basically, um, this, this all came to a head after quite a few incidents with Joanna Cherry specifically and others within the SNP and the other Hollywood parties with the exception of the, the Scottish Greens. Um, it kind of came to a head not long ago where... Joanna Cherry, I can't remember exactly what it was she'd done this time. I imagine she probably threatened to sue somebody for saying that she said something or did something, but she actually did. I don't know. Um, and 
she was raked over the coals and lost her position um, as a spokesman for the SNP at Westminster. This prompted mm-hmm. a speech. Yeah, she, she she was put to the back benches, I think. Yes, fully. Yes, but yeah. Um, this prompted a little intervention from Nicola Sturgeon, who said that it was bad and transphobia is bad, and the SNP's got some work to do to sort it out. And then, yeah, she lost her position at that point. Um, I think it was a day or two later. Um, she remains an MP. She remains an SNP MP. And there has been no other signs of any form of disciplinary action actually being taken against her. And that is the extent to which the SNP have deemed um, her actions punishable by is losing her spokesman position. So, Do you want to know the inside scoop on what went down there? Oh, please. So here's what happened. Because there was a party in the Scottish Parliament that were being unambiguously good on trans rights. This put the SNP in a bit of a bind because usually when they don't deliver on some left-wing thing, they turn to their activists and go, oh, we'd love to do it, but we can't do it in the current political climate. We have to wait for independence when we will determine the political climate, right? But because there was a party in the Scottish Parliament just being unambiguously good on trans rights, this made it really hard to sell, oh, we care about trans rights, but we need to put it on the back burner or we need to compromise. It made it really hard to sell that to their younger members and particularly their younger activists. This came to a head. And I will, I'll throw my hand up. Like when I, when I threw this stuff together, I didn't think the SNP would crack until after 2021. I didn't think the culture war thing would come home to roost so quickly. But it did, and they went for it. And what essentially happened is a whole bunch of of high-profile, motivated activists within the SNP youth wing all went, fuck this, and resigned. And they all started to pile out. And this panicked them. Yes. Because they're the people who are meant to be putting in most of the work for this election. Because, you know, inside fact of Scottish politics, people going round doorsteps and putting stuff through letterboxes, using spatulas to avoid the teeth of the dogs on the other side, (laughs) that is the engine of... Scottish politics, it's all about putting literature through doors and about getting TV appearances and about generating energy in that kind of way and online buzz. And when you take out your youth wing, when you tell them, no, fuck off, we're not going to do that thing that you care about, they stop posting online. They don't criticize your party directly. Some of them do. In fact, many of their uh, high profile like trans members all kind of walked. Um, When they stop making buzz online, and they stop organising, and they stop actually going out to deliver leaflets, that scares the shit out of sitting MSPs and MPs. And so you create political pressure. Uh, and you create political pressure just by basically going, hey, you know, the SNP aren't doing this thing. There's no reason they couldn't do it. They're just selling you out. Yeah. That- and so that, that's what happened, and that's why they had to take those steps, and that's why mm-hmm. Nicola Sturgeon made an impassioned little video that she put on Twitter that was totally spur of a moment and wasn't in any oh, way, shape, or form. And it was so kinda- brave and such a, a well-meaning thing to do. Actually, she was rattled as fuck. She was, she was not just rattled as fuck, but the, the whole staging of it, like, this is me being personal and honest. Like, I guarantee you that standing behind that phone, watching her and nodding as she's reading from the prepared kind of Mm -hmm. statement they agreed. I guarantee you her political team were there going, right, okay, well, this is what we've agreed the line is, Nicola. Now let's frame it and make it look raw and authentic. Oh, yeah. And uh, they they did that to stem the bleeding, basically. Yeah. Except, except that might have placated some of their youth wing and some of the pro-trans wing. But unfortunately, we mentioned those turfs are all mad as fuck. Mm -hmm. And that leads us to where we are today, David. So, I mean, even as another slight precursor to where we got today, 
we've seen a couple of smaller outfits of um again like entirely on the fault line of um trans rights yeah. and people not Sorry, fucking can I just liking briefly them. interject and maybe just put this in before we get to the next bit the the um the the political issue that triggered the mass resignation was not actually to do with the GRA. It was to do with uh, uh, Humza Yusuf's famous uh, hate crime bill. That's the um, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because uh, I think Joan Lamont had put in a bunch of really shitty, sneaky, sort of turfy amendments. Yeah. Yep. That that yep. um, that were all geared about like language and talking about like the other sex instead of other sexes or mm-hmm. or, or, or or the other gender, uh, basically trying to read from everything as a binary and trying to put in an amendment that um, the hate crime bill would not include any sort of consequences for for saying whatever the fuck you wanted about trans people, um, yep. and a couple of SNP. Um, uh, MSPs voted for the amendments. The SNP overall whipped to abstain, and that yep. that was the big one. It was the whipping to abstain that pissed people off. And since then, they've been voting against Lamont's shit amendments because she tried a few yep. more <laughs> afterwards. Well, they, big, they, big uh, energy. Yeah, they they got this right. Like they, mm-hmm. they suddenly, when their youth wing said, "No, fuck this, we're taking our ball and going home. You don't have to do this." We've seen mm-hmm. like the Scottish Greens are in the chamber and they're voting against this shite. And you, the party that we support, that we turn out for, can't. I mean, you know, you, you, you there's only much as with Keith, like you said, David. There's only so many ways someone can tell you to fuck off before you actually do. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. The hate crime bill has been uh, very interesting. There's been some really funny aspects of it, like uh, Tory MSP is getting really mad about the part of it that says that you can't, um, that you can be uh, criminally uh, guilty for committing hate speech in the home. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Are you looking to like abuse your kids at the dinner table? You fucking dick! What? Like, what? Oh no, this bill! I'm, oh. I can't no believe they won't my, even let me know. see the N-word over a Sunday roast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It is. It totally is. Yeah. Anyway. 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 Yeah. anyway, yeah. So there has been a few kind of smaller little splinter party attempts that have, that have kind of popped up. Um, the fucking Get the Wings Over Scotland guys fucking had a pop at it with the incredibly well-named ISP. No, that's is, not him. Was that not That's him? That's not him. No, oh, fuck. no, no. The ISP is a vanity project oh, I've got my from a woman whose up, name, right. whose name I don't remember, but it turned out that she that she ran for an NEC position for the SNP uh, shortly before launching the party, mm-hmm. and after she'd apparently resigned from the party, so we don't know what the fuck happened there. <laughs> um, they were mostly a sort of Twitter ball of rage party. Their launch was hilarious. They had a badly compressed JPEG as their profile picture mm-hmm. that you could see had been just like right-click saved from Facebook. It still had the little X in the corner to, to like close the image that you get when you click on a picture on Facebook and it pops up. Um, one of their big Twitter members was a, a Greek American lady who lives in one of the islands who 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 used to go by the Tartan Spartan. Uh, oh, this uh, is the on, fucking MAGA one, isn't it? On Twitter, yes. And then it turned out that she had a YouTube channel dedicated to to uh, uh, being pro Donald Trump and doing big MAGA chud rants, um, <laughs> which which promptly vanished. Um, but yeah, the ISP has just been a big fucking joke party. It's 
is it Denise what's, what's the other one I, then I what's, what's the fucking what's the wings one there's I don't think Wings ever got around to actually making one he, he kept no. saying he would and, I, he, uh, and he raised a lot of money about it but did he actually make one oh right. okay Okay. No, I don't think he did. Can I uh, can I interject here? Because there's going to be some very confused listeners. Just in case you don't know, Wings Over Scotland was a blog during the 2014 Fucking Scottish blog, independence referendum, right? Run by a gentleman who lives in Bath and lived in Bath at the time, self-styled as the Reverend Stuart Campbell. <laughs> and they did a whole bunch of pro-Scottish independence explanations, including putting together like a, a book of common policy points and rebuttals and things like currency and all the rest of it, right? Um, but the Reverend Stuart Campbell is also what I would describe as a transphobe. That is my opinion. My opinion is that the Reverend Stuart Campbell is a transphobe. If that's and, not uh, enough for you, he also blames the victims at Hillsborough. So, like, if you want yes. the kind of calibre of prick we're talking about, there you go. And, and, uh, and, and he was a video games journalist before that. So... I mean, <laughs> who famously, who famously got into a forum argument because he didn't understand. He couldn't understand that when Lara Croft jumped off a moving vehicle, in his mind, she should immediately have stopped moving and fallen to the ground behind the vehicle because he didn't understand the idea of sustained momentum. And he got into a multi-page argument because he refused to admit he was wrong about that. The greatest threat in the history of forums. <laughs> Games journalists are, yeah. So that's that's the kind of guy he is, and he is a uh, right 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 bellend, and um, you know he's very uh, anti Nicola Sturgeon, pro like the old SNP, give us back, uh, you know, Alex Salmond, and uh, he dis- he was talking about launching a political party in Scotland. Remember, he lives in Bath, launching a political party in Scotland to stand solely on the list to take all the li- SNP list votes, um, and to be basically right wing SNP. So, well, yeah, we have all these pop-up parties. There's, there's the ISP, fantastic acronym. It's the Independence for Scotland Party. But yeah, if you Google mm-hmm. ISP, I wonder what comes up first. <laughs> um, there's the AFI, which is Alliance for Independence. I don't know who's involved with that. Uh, there's been a couple of non-independence pop-up parties as well, most notably George Galloway's weird new British fascist vehicle. Um, uh, that's all for unity, I believe. That, Complete with a four, like yeah. mineral four. <laughs> all for Very unity. Very web two point yeah. Fucking hell! Does he rap about unity? <laughs> 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 no, that's a, his. Is a, basically a, a, a fash party, anti-independence fascist yeah. kind of you know, street. Back in twenty fourteen, I remember he uh, paid for a bunch of incredibly archaic sectarian fear mongering banners around parts yep. of Glasgow, being like yep. the SNP want to uh, come murder all the Catholics or something, yep. or it, it was, or he was playing both sides. It was incredibly bizarre, um, and I mean, it's it's it, it, it's really testament to what can happen to someone who, for so many years, was an avowed socialist that um, the extent to which British nationalism can actually break your fucking brain. I think he's just a political opportunity, uh, opportunist yeah. and he's, you know, he's he's basically looking for his grift and he thinks of oh, as a niche here listen, that I can feel like it's useful to the establishment. It's not, this isn't very nice. Like, the guy's no well. He went to Iraq. He was in the desert. He inhaled whatever it was all those soldiers did. <laughs> and he's got Gulf War Syndrome. Like, just just leave the guy alone. Jesus. Uh, 
Go on, round up the other minor parties then, because we're getting to the important one. Yes. Yeah, I think that's it. There's ISP, AFI, there might be one more. That... There's Reform UK, which is Nigel Farage's oh, new Oh, right, yeah. 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 Um, they're the ones who got a bunch of European MEPs before we left Europe. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're apparently standing. Uh, I've not really heard much from them, but apparently they're doing things in Scotland for this election. Stay tuned for that heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Um, and, yeah. Well, and... Oh, sorry. Uh, we forgot the really big titan of Scottish politics. Mm-hmm. Um, the Scottish Christian Party oh, yeah. proclaiming Christ's lordship. <laughs> now, uh, they're not a new pop-up party, but they are very funny. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're one of these little nice, like, just absolute, totally off-the-grid type parties that's like four guys set up 25 years ago and they just continue running yeah. with it because they somehow have they're enough money to lose a deposit every five years. They, they basically, they want to turn Scotland into Gilead from The Handmaid's Tale, essentially. Yeah. Um, which sounds <laughs> horrific, but it's actually like a tiny, like a little chihuahua puppy that's just really vicious and snarling at you, but it can't actually accomplish anything so it ends yeah. up being kind of cute and fun this is, snaps at this your is probably the most widespread widespread publicity they'll have had in years actually. <laughs> yes absolutely 100%. and the less said the bell um yeah and that takes us to today um where alex Sand decided he was going to launch the alba party okay so that pissed people off from the get-go because it's the alba party or it should be uh the word well, is well they alba. should spell it like that it's alaba because <laughs> scots uh scottish gaelic or gaelic is a language where you have those occasional little vowels in between consonants it is the alaba party um, i i love right I, I genuinely like i know people who are linguists i know people who speak gaelic and all respect to them when they say this stuff all respect to them right but the vast majority of scots do not speak gaelic have never spoken Gaelic, don't understand Gaelic pronunciation, and yet they're still coming in with this shit now? It's really funny to me. It's like, I'm putting my hand up. I did not know it was not pronounced Alba. I thought it was pronounced Alba. I'm willing to bet that most listeners in Scotland didn't know it wasn't pronounced Alba, because no one's ever mentioned it before. But this is a very convenient thing to beat Alex (laughs) Hammond over the head with today. And so now today, everyone, of course, knows that it's pronounced Alba. And that's not out of sympathy for Alex Salmon, fuck him, but just like, come on. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I mean, Gaelic by this point is, I think, a fully politicized language. I don't think you can yes. really separate it. There's some well-meaning people who really try to, but I think um, the, 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 the cat's out of the bag. Um, bag is baga, by the way, you know, like it's funny. Um, oh, yeah, we've had a, yeah, we've had a wee argument over this. I am fully in favor of, of like just Gaelic everywhere in every school for like all the kids yes. everywhere in the country. I think that would be great. And I'm more than happy to weaponize whatever political connotations are tied to the language to get there. So I'm, um, mandatory Gaelic for everyone. I, I am not. I, I do not like that. <laughs> um, I, um, I used to work in a, in a pub and I, I was in, it was in fucking, it was in Glasgow and quiet morning. And this, this week an old couple comes in and they sit down and the guy starts talking to me in Gaelic. Hmm. And I was like, I've not got a clue what you're saying. Didn't even know he was talking fucking Gaelic because you hardly hear it unless you go looking for it. Um, at least down this way. And the guy was fucking raging. Like, he had to get chucked out. This was before pints were sold. This was like fucking 10 o'clock in the morning. 
and I had to chuck him out the pub because he became such a cunt because I couldn't understand what he was saying. And I, from that point, I have just, I, I, I've just, I just don't like it. I'm just sick of it. I just, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. My one and only exposure in the real world to someone who spoke Gaelic, and that's what I got. Suddenly, suddenly, David voting no makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was on that day you decided you want to shag the queen. <laughs> I just I've never known fucking anger like it from just not understanding what some cunt was saying. Just absolutely bizarre. Like I know the guy's not a fucking avatar for like what most people who speak Gaelic are, but like you've walked into a fucking pub in Glasgow and you've tried to order a breakfast in Gaelic, and I'm looking puzzled. The thing you don't do is get arsy with me about it because he could speak English fine. I know that oh, because he called me a cunt in, in... on the way out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for future reference, the word is brackished, uh, if that helps at all. I mean, it's, 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 it's it might have similar. at the time. <laughs> if only you had been there at the time, Elijah, to step up from behind the bar, like tap David on the shoulder and go... <laughs> I've got this one, mate. You're fine. <laughs> the time oh, crusader. Fuck. Right. Um, so, yeah, Alex Salmon today, after a long, drawn-out public fucking... I didn't even want to call it a scandal. I was I was about to call it a scandal, but it, it it's not really, is it? Alex Salmon was accused of, uh, of harassing women uh, in and around the government. Uh, from what we can piece together, because everything is you know very vague and sort of complicated and 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 um, interweaving you know what deadly webs uh he went to nicola sturgeon uh who was leader at the time and asked her for help in shielding him from the accusations in in protecting him and she refused to do so and so he threw a massive tantrum and decided to accuse everyone of stitching him up this is all very allegedly. We don't know. Yeah, no, uh, uh, I said from what we were to piece together because we have no idea. Um, yeah, he did. Um, there was he a did court case. Court. Yeah, yeah, he was found not guilty and not proven on on yeah. on various accounts. So of course, many my understanding, cases, yeah. my understanding is that of the cases he got, all of them were not guilty apart from one, which returned the Scottish result of not proven. And I apologise if I have got this wrong. This is just from recollection, and I'll, I'll happily own up if I've misrepresented this in any way. Um, but the Scottish not proven verdict is basically, we're not convinced of your innocence, but the state hasn't made a compelling case that you're actually guilty of the crime. Kind of, because technically that's what not guilty means, right? Because the the the... Um, the the court doesn't decide whether you're innocent. You're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But the not proven is a convenient sort of like halfway point where the jury didn't want to commit to what not guilty has come to mean in like a, mm-hmm. in a in like a non legal sense. It's an interesting little intersection between legal frameworks and how people actually think. Um, but yeah, he like, may it, right. It, If I can frame it in a very simple way, right? He may have molested women, but he also nearly got Scottish independence. So it's impossible to say if he's bad or not. (laughs) That's what the not proven verdict is. To be fair, like, um, 
Sir Walter Scott referred to it as the bastard verdict, right? Yeah. By which he meant mm. it's like a halfway thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's other connotations to that which uh, yeah. might be applicable in this. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a very interesting little quirk of the Scottish legal system. And I think quite a few countries would probably benefit from from having it. Um, if for no other reason than for the 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 disconnect between what happens in a legal framework and how it gets reported on in larger sort of civil society because people aren't lawyers and they don't know what things mean. So it's useful to have more terminologies like that. But anyway, so he um, he wasn't found guilty uh, and then he decided to accuse the, the government of trying to stitch him up uh, via some civil servants or something and there were inquiries mm-hmm. and they went on for ages and all his fans were on Twitter crowing about how the storm is coming. They became QAnon uh, uh, type people uh, hashtag a storm is coming was very commonly seen across Salmon supporters. Um, everything got really fucking deranged and really, really silly. And then I think just last week, uh, the, inqu- the, the inquiry came out. So first inquiry members. So there was a committee that was pretty much split can I, along can political I take lines. This bit, Elijah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's important for this bit to know a little bit of background, which is that Andy Whiteman, mm-hmm. um, Andy Whiteman <laughs> felt he was unable to continue in the Scottish Greens while the Scottish Greens were so firmly in favour of pro-trans sort of rights. Yeah. And so he resigned from the party. Um, and he's no longer a Green MSP. He's still a sitting MSP and apparently he's going to try and get elected again this time, um, I think, in the Highlands and Islands, I think. Yes, Highlands and Islands um, are independent, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, good luck to him. Um, like, so he, he resigned, but thing is he was the committee member on that committee that was put there i believe as when he was a scott green essentially yeah so he's been on that committee and um so what happened is the committee's investigating did the government stitch up you know alex salmond and as part of this it was did nicola sturgeon break the ministerial code did she lie etc and uh immediately the tories and you know <laughs> labor and lib dems to a lesser extent started leaking from the committee and just like doing everything they could to throw dirt. It's been really on Sturgeon. fucking funny. I'm sorry. And like it's <laughs> Yeah. They they leaked they leaked that the committee was going to find her guilty, all this kind of stuff. Yep. Um this is Scottish Green Scottish Green's position has been that this is a farce yep. and that the whole point is to find out, first of all, did Nicola Sturgeon and the Scottish government do anything wrong? And second of all, how did it fail the woman who came forward with yeah. complaints because some of their personal stuff has been leaked as yeah. well, including by this committee. That was so uh, the committee to find out whether Nicola Sturgeon breached the um, uh, breached the ministerial code did quite happily and quite gleefully breach the code itself in a far more serious manner by leaking um, information from the committee. I think yeah. is what is yeah. That- that is certainly how it looks to me from the outside. We, we of course, can't determine whether they broke ministerial code without a committee no. to determine whether they broke... Them. Anyway, but, but that's what it looks point like. Is, yeah. Point is, um, they, the Tories scheduled a vote of no confidence off the back of this, and then the committee returned, <laughs> actually, she hasn't yeah. broken the ministerial code, in our view. Um, 
And so when it came to the vote, the Scottish Tories voted to say that she had broken a ministerial code. The SNP and the Greens said, no, we're not going to participate in a vote with no competence. This is bollocks. She's, mm-hmm. We find her com- uh, competent. And the Labour and the Lib Dems abstained <laughs> because, of course, they fucking did. I mean, it's- and uh, it's very clear that Salmon's political party was prepared on the basis that she'd be found like yeah. to have broken. Like, that, that's clearly what they were ready to do. Yeah. And inexplicably, they've gone ahead with it anyway. Aside for this committee stuff, right? Because that that that's obviously like been a backdrop to this party. I I watched. I I missed the start of it, um, but I watched a fair bit of that fucking press conference that he did out of morbid curiosity and some gleeful enjoyment at the idea that the SNP might be finding some hurt coming up in the next election, because I don't want them to have a majority. That would be bad. I'd much rather the status quo continued um, as opposed to them have a fucking majority. So if this makes things harder for them. (laughs) Um, The selling point of the party is that it is a pro-independence super majority that that Alex Salmon is trying to build. Now, this... Is this where I should explain the the how the actual voting works? Well, Maybe this is a whole thing. Just after I say that that technically already exists, because yep. the SNP and the Greens form a majority of the Scottish Parliament yep. seats. Um, yeah, so he's kind of trying to sell something that's already there. It's just not for the left this time. There was, yeah. uh, someone did a quick sort of fag packet analysis about who he would be endangering. And I think uh, out of the six uh, regional seats that, that they've announced, um, it would endanger one SNP seat, I think two Greens, uh, two Labour. What's that put me at? Four, five, and one Lib Dem? No, it's got to be more than that. But anyway, it was, it was, it was one SNP seat that I remember seeing. Uh, yeah. That was big thing. Yeah, so he's... So, to understand how the Scottish Parliament works, it's dead simple. There's a whole bunch of constituencies, right? Mm-hmm. And these are these are basically, you know, they're constituencies. You elect them, boom, there you go. You've got your you've got your local MSP. In addition, there are eight regions that Scotland is divided up into. Um, and basically, after the constituencies are elected, they then look at all the votes for the region. And if you have elected an MSP in a constituency in that region, your vote gets halved on the regional vote. And the more you have, the more it gets reduced. Mm -hmm. So that, essentially, if you do really well in constituencies, you will not do really well in the region. Okay? And so it's meant to balance out. It means that all the parties get squeezed out of constituencies can then pick up regional MSPs. Right? That's the theory. Um, and so that means, for example, last time around, the SNP really wanted to make sure the Greens didn't, you know, get any purchase in Parliament. And they told the members, both votes SNP, vote for SNP on your constituency vote, vote for the SNP on your regional vote. Um, and this net this resulted in basically no regional MSPs for the SNP being elected. There was very few, very, very few. Yeah. And it meant that a lot of, um, you know... You got Scott Labour, you got the Tories all came in off the back of it, basically. Hello everyone, James here. I woke up in the middle of the night because I realised I'd misexplained something. And in the interests of getting back to sleep, here's how the regional list system actually works. When it comes time to allocate MSPs from a regional list, they first divide the vote each party has received by one 
plus the number of MSPs they've already had elected in the region. And then in each subsequent round, when they're allocating more regional MSPs, they repeat that calculation. What does this mean? Say in central Scotland that the SNP take every single constituency seat. Their vote for the regional list would start out divided by one plus the number of constituency seats in central Scotland, at which point the percentage would be so low they're not going to get anyone elected. By way of contrast, say the Greens start out having no constituency seats in central Scotland, bit sad, but they have a very good regional list vote. They would get an MSP, and then when it comes time to do the next regional MSP, their vote would be divided by one plus the one they've already just got. It'd be halved. And that's what was in my head when I said what I was saying on the podcast. So that's how it works. That's why it is proportional. It's meant to balance out the constituency seats and give all the other parties that people voted for a voice in the parliament. Having explained this, I'm going back to bed. Yep. If you'd like an example, um, in my region, the Northeast, uh, every single constituency in 2016, bar one, went to the SNP, and they mm -hmm. picked up a big fat zero of regional list uh, yep. wins. Now, <laughs> what would happen if every SNP voter was to give all their votes to the SNP for the constituency, and then give all their votes to another party in the regional list, the parliament would basically be stacked with those two parties. Mm -hmm. that, that would be the net effect of it. Yeah. Um, and the SNP doesn't want that to happen for obvious reasons. They don't want to have a serious competitor in the chamber. They'd rather, first of all, they'd rather it be the Tories. They'd rather be fighting the Tories for reasons we've established. They like to point at them and go, look, we're not that. And so they're their favourites to go up ahead head in the chamber. Um, and second of all, they just don't want another big party to be able to challenge their kind of position within you know, Scottish politics is hegemonic. And so they're, they're very keen not to have their list vote go to other parties. All of these little parties we've just heard mentioned um, that have been launched, including Alex Salmon's Alaba party, or Alba party, Thank depending you. on how you want to say it, um, <laughs> they basically are proposing to stand solely on the regional list and are hoping they can convince the SNP voters to all give them their vote so that they can weigh into the chamber alongside the SNP. Um, yeah, that's that's where that stands. That's what he's aiming for. Uh, unfortunately, I don't believe Alex Salmond has very good uh, favourability ratings in Scotland. I don't think he's actually well-liked at this point. <laughs> no. it, 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 it sounds like you have those numbers to hand, James. Is that the case? Um, I don't. I don't have them to hand because I'm pretty certain he's hated. Last I checked, okay, I believe I looked at it today and it was like 14% favourability. Like, the guy is not well-liked, especially after the back of the court cases. So yeah. yeah, he was expecting that to go in his favor. He was hoping for like a big triumphant return. He's the righteously adjudicated, maligned, you know, like mm -hmm. unfairly condemned hero of Scottish independence. Um, it's 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 massive ego, severe boomer brain as well. He can't stand that things are moving away from you know that paradigm that they sort of used to be in. Um, but it's okay. It's, it's okay. Like it's not. It's not all Alex Salmond because he does have people standing on the list, right? <laughs> including, including some former SNP MSPs, right? Yes. So he's he's got some good talent. Uh, David, do you do you happen to know who he's got coming along with him? Um, it's uh, turf, isn't it? I believe so. 
And this is where I was hoping you actually had it in front of you, David. I Shit. don't. <laughs> I don't, no. Okay, hang on. Well, I know Chris I McElhinney. remember seeing the name, and I remember not recognising the name and thinking, all right, okay then. That was the end of it, really. Mm-hmm. Like, he's managed to pull some fucking non-entity um, from the SNP. He's got Chris McElhinney, who is mostly known for being a dipshit on Twitter. Um, so that tracks. Um, We've got businesswoman Cynthia Guffrey, CEO of the Guffrey Group. Don't know what that is, but I'm already distrustful. Yep. Um, who else do we fucking have here? Like, very little. Yeah, there's. it, it was four people he announced, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like, this is cool. You can get a lot done with just four people. I mean, look at the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, it's like he's got until next Wednesday to get more people. So I'm sure that they will have done a very rigorous vetting process for all of the people who get on board. So yeah. please do look out for anyone standing for the Alba party I mean, because they will almost certainly have some absolutely amazing issues coming out on Twitter. In uh, in in good standing with the idea of pop up parties, uh, Chris McElhinney, similarly to the woman who started the ISP, was I think just like yesterday in a in an SNP meeting via Zoom where he yes. acted as a member and tried to ask a question, <laughs> even though you'd have had to have resigned earlier. I think anyway, we don't know, right? We don't know what they're doing, how many regulations they're breaking, if any at all. But the whole thing is just very sus and very funny. Um, I can't wrap my head around the fact they've been allowed to call their party the Alaba party or Alba party. I, I don't get that because you're not allowed to name yourself the Scotland party. That goes against the, the code. I right? can yeah. only imagine it's so, because the SNP haven't managed to inject um, the, the Gaelic aspects into that part of the electoral law. It's just nuts is what it Possibly is. Possibly for very selfish yeah, reasons. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. I'd be interested in, in knowing why, actually, because that is a bit fucked up. I mean, there was... Well, um, actually, I think you'll find that he's allowed to call himself the Alba Party because it's actually Alaba, so it's not the same thing. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> Hoisted by my own petard. Yeah, there was so an I'll issue take with... the, the money for that defence that yeah. I've just saved you there, Big Ek. That, that'll, that'll do me. I'd also like to know how, where he got the funding for it. I'm guessing it's from... This crowdfunding oh, he did for his legal defence. Oh, 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 oh. So this funding's going to be fucking amazing because Alex Salmond still yep. does um, yep. have a show on Russia Today. Yep. So prepare yes. yourself for so much <laughs> liberal fucking handwriting. I can't wait for Carol Kidwallader to fucking find out about this. I was She's going to say, go someone get her, her on the line nut. and be like, Carol, Carol, <laughs> we need you. Put the Russia sign in the air. <laughs> you have to find out. So Putin's candidate. I'm just picturing. I'm just picturing the comedy scenario where he keeps it going during Perda during the election, um, but he, he has actually... to bring on other leaders for balance. <laughs> so he has to bring on Nicola Sturgeon just for just for balance. That'd be really he funny. Has, he did actually address this in the in the press conference and said that he would be suspending the show while the election was ongoing. Um, so he's obviously been wise to the, the fact that he can't continue that and getting his large viewership of tens of people. To set to, to really set the tone, his first question from journalists, do you want to guess who the first journalist was to ask him a question? Stuart Campbell. <laughs> yeah, it was a reference Stuart Campbell. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't fucked. <laughs> 
Yeah. First, qu- first question to Wings Over Scotland, did. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's on YouTube if you really fucking want to go and watch this. It is a shit show. Like, it was, um, it was like a screen grab. It was like, it was like just badly cropped Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, where like the top part of his head was cut off, he wasn't in the middle of the frame. You couldn't hear any of the questions for literally the first fucking hour of the thing. It was just like watching someone silently mouth a question and then cutting back to Alex Salmon just kind of nodding along to it, and then he would just answer something that no one heard. Um, it was... He also like to, to complete the image. He did basically launch the party from a cupboard somewhere. Yes, mm-hmm. like that's how it looked. Yes. Um, so, like, oh, the, the whole thing was just an absolute tech shit show. It was unreal. I've, we did better on our fucking election live stream. Oh, like, yeah. That's how bad mm-hmm. it was. Um, I'm just looking at the national page here, and there's a byline. Uh, article number eight suggested for you. Can anyone explain what is motivating Alex Salmon's actions? Question mark. Hmm. Yes. Um, one of the funniest things, though, was the, 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 just the people who were asking the questions. And there were so many people who were just bloggers. And that is such a fucking yeah. weird thing to me. Like, I mean, I, I genuinely do try and avoid Scottish politics as well, they're happening. And it's because it's it's a horribly fucking weird, small and parochial environment of all these like, amateur bloggers. I'm betting the wee ginger Doug was in the room, yeah. I think, oh. I think that makes sense because something that we've overlooked to mention, I think, is the pronounced overlap between the Joanna Cherry um, uh, turf wreckers and the pro-salmon faction during the inquiry. So the two events in Mm. Scottish politics, which was the hate crime bill and associated uh, transphobia chat uh, linked up with the salmon inquiry thing. And these two groups kind of coalesced into one big flaming line, uh, uh, sorry, one big flaming ball of online fury. And I say online very specifically there. So the fact that it's all bloggers at his press release doesn't, at his party launch, fuck, uh, doesn't yeah. surprise me at all. Because It's not surprising, um, but it I mean, is a very specific Scottish flavour of cost. There was a poll recently about, uh, this was before the inquiry results came out, about um, whether SNP members believed Nicola Sturgeon or Alex Salmond. And it was overwhelmingly Nicola Sturgeon. But... Interestingly, I found it was kind of split 50-50 about whether they thought the party was divided. So what that tells me is that the the vast majority of SME members are behind Sturgeon, but they think everyone else isn't, or or they think there's a lot of people who are not. And God, I because, wonder what kind of um, I wonder well, what kind of environment where a broad church of many different and very polarized opinions are all kept under one roof. Well, I mean, I was going to make the point that this is because of the very, very explicitly fabricated media narrative. Laura Koonsberg tweeted like 16 times about the Salmon Inquiry on the day that the uh, uh, police bill went down in London. And and, And she didn't tweet a thing about that, right? So there was a very concerted effort to make this look in the national press like it was really bad for yeah, Sturgeon. I don't think Laura um, Koonsberg's tweeting is going to be like the, the sole indicator on one poll. Like The SNP as a broad church party definitely do have the the limitations and the failings of a broad church party, which is going to be some sort of like general distrust about those around you. Um, like, I mean, fucking, I'm saying this from being in labour through the fucking Corbyn years. Like, 
there is absolutely going to be distrust mm. about it. And see when that comes public for the first time, oof. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm just like, there's there's a disconnect there. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, the, yeah. The, yeah. The main point is that this takes place largely online and in media narrative bubbles. Uh, and I don't think it'll have as tangible an impact in the actual election as people think it might. Well, you mentioned the actual election, and I'm going to do a David here and move us on, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, where's this going? What do we actually think is going to happen this election? What do we want to happen for this election? Because <laughs> this is the maximum chaos election. Right? Yeah, yes. I don't think you could... Like, we've, we've got multiple parties launching specifically to fuck around on the list. We've got the majority of campaigning curtailed because of coronavirus. We don't yet know what effect coronavirus is going to have on the actual polling day. And, like, you know, stay fucking tuned for that one. Um, yeah, where do we think this goes? What do we want to happen? I mean, what I want to happen is is the, the complete destruction of the SNP so that the left can finally be freed <laughs> from a fucking broad church and they can start pursuing socialist policies while they wait for independence. Jesus David, Christ. David, I'm afraid <sighs> that Rise has disbanded. It's fine. There's ah, the Greens. <laughs> Rather than some fucking ego project set up by a room full of people who weren't fucking around at the right time to get into the Revolutionary Communist Party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just, you know, you just said exactly what I said in yeah. 2016 to my fellow, uh, you know, workers. Like, like, we were sitting in the room watching Rise come in and, uh, yeah, that was, that was literally the vibe. Yeah, oh, it's fucking Pretty Brendan much. with a Jimmy hat on three feet above his fucking eyes um yeah. like uh, fucking it won't happen like the snp is not gonna fucking it's not gonna give me what i want it's not gonna do the spectacular split which finally frees the left to do some actual left policy in a left yeah. party while they wait it's... for independence and it's a shame but i think largely what's gonna happen here is hopefully hopefully i'm hoping the snp are robbed of a majority i just don't want them to have that if it has to be anything, it has to be the way it is now. I'd like to see the Greens increase their number of seats. I'm not entirely confident that they will, largely because, like you said, COVID, who knows how that's going to fucking affect you. Um, we'll just really need to wait and see. I think for quite a while there has been a a general... Not a malaise, but like a kind of disquiet about the SNP and the fact that they're... They're coming to a point now where they're really in a, a pretty bad bind of we can't deliver the thing that we're supposed to because well the Tories are in power, they're not going to be granted a referendum. Everything outside of the way that you get that referendum is all very much untested and unsure mm-hmm. and largely mm-hmm. down to law shagging because unless <clears throat> they just go and declare a UDI... Um, what can they actually do other than be very nice to people in spider brooch robes? Like, mm-hmm. that's really all they can hope for. And, like, no. If you think that the the courts will be that fucking eager to be, oh, yes, please do have an independence referendum with the amount of shit that the current Tory government already took off the courts, I think we'll be quite surprised to see if that kind of... Um, that kind of fight back, if you will, from the the legal minds there would actually be as forthcoming yeah. for anything opposed to the government. I mean, I have yeah. I have no real interest in speculating about Plan B stuff or or, 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 or what's going to happen after the election because I think the election itself is um, 
a, a large turning point, not just in what could be done, but in in people's willingness to actually do so. As far as like the 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 plan A for independence, which is you know hold a legal referendum with the consent of 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 of, of Westminster. There's a lot of mm-hmm. issues with that, and people are rightly uh, wondering. Well, hang on, what's the plan B then? I don't think there's much point talking about a plan B until you get to the point where you need to enact it. So I'm, I don't really. Yeah, it's it's more the it's more the almost inevitability of how Plan A would go. Like I just think that it's been it's been long enough now, and the SNP like obviously I mean they've they've had to fucking say well we're not going to do anything right now because of fucking COVID, and to some I think that's felt like quite a convenient out, and to others like well actually that's a sensible thing to do, and it just really depends where you fall on it. But like it's been quite a while. It's hard to cope with not many things happening after an intense period of many things yeah. happening in yeah. Scottish politics. But I, I think, I mean, uh, the polling currently indicates the SNP to get a majority by one seat. So I suspect they won't get a majority. I suspect they'll have to form a minority government with the Greens, which I'm quite uh, happy with. Um, for what comes after... I have no clue, and I don't think it's necessarily productive to sort of speculate because so many things could happen. Uh, what I'm waiting yeah. for is 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 the election, and then the day after is a whole new chapter. Um, and there's so much that's been leading up to this point that we've, I mean, we've been here for nearly two hours, and we haven't, you know, delved into a lot of things that we could have. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we've like, intentionally, we've dodged, like, yeah. the central stuff that we'd have to get into for obvious reasons. And, like, that kind of... I don't know, the SNP, as they always do, they want to frame this election as being about Scottish independence. But I think this election is very hard to do that. It's very hard to do that because a lot of shit's happened and there isn't a clear path. There isn't a way to actually go, hey, this is this is how we're going to get a Scottish independence referendum again. That's not there. People kind of know it and they're kind of shuffling and going, well, wait, what, what is the point? Like, we've we've gone this far where is it coming in? What are you doing for us? Where, you know, so you then have to kind of look at the secondary issues, which the SNP don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I think, um, like, I would like to have a, a greater green presence in the chamber. I will throw my hands up and admit, honestly, I don't know if that's going to happen. If you to if you believe the polling right now, it will. The polling is very positive for the Greens right now. But this is the chaos election. This is the chaos election. I think anyone who says, oh, it's definitely going to go X way is selling you something. Um, I would like that. I tend to vote green on the list um, and I'm going to see what my options are for the constituency. I don't, you know, greens aren't standing in every single constituency because we're you know, pretty realistic about, you know, we're not going to waste people's time. Um, and where we are standing is because we think there's a, there's a chance we might actually get it. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I would not be surprised if we, you know, the Greens return another six MSPs. I would not be terribly surprised if the Greens return 12 MSPs. I would not be surprised if, against the odds, the SNP sweep it and get another, you know, supermajority on their own. Though I honestly think that's the worst case scenario for Scotland right yes, now. Yes, 100%. Um, the last know, thing think, we need think, is Libs to have free reign. Oh, the last thing we need is the SNP to be in a position where they're like, oh, we've, that's it, we've got our mandate. And because then they'd be stuck and go, shit, what do we do now? 
And Scottish politics would grind to a halt again because it would all have to revolve around that question. And I don't think there's anything in the draw. I don't think there's anything like. Did I not know, just say like that? Like you said, law shagging. You know. Yeah, like yeah, so, that's that's all it would be. It would be the one question, but again, forever because that's all Scottish politics ever is. Yeah. For record, Jamie, I do appreciate you being here because just you being here has put us all on good behaviour. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds stupid, but it's 100% true. No, it actually is. Thank you. I mean, I was wondering, uh, Jamie, did that all make sense? You know, like if you wanted to (laughs) do a brief segment where you asked questions or clarifications about it. We need to start again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I didn't follow any of it. (laughs) Right, lads. Uh, All right, synchronize from a clap. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. So, Jamie, haven't had a haven't had a crash course in Scottish politics. What do you think of this mess? I'm curious what an outsider who's like you know got no dog in this fight thinks. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Neither do we. No, it's all shit. Um, and it's it's all shit and it's all couched in one question and that's that's all it ever is. There's never anything else. Scottish politics, Scottish politics never changes. Scottish politics died in 2014. Yes. Like there was uh, yeah. only one option. That, like you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, you could say it was a good idea, it was a bad idea. The only thing that could have caused Scottish politics to continue to live and for something new to happen would have been independence, mm-hmm. good or bad. Whether it, whether it was a good decision or a bad decision, if we'd went mm. independent in twenty fourteen, stuff would have happened. I mean, but at the same time, like the the SNP could have actually just started doing ideology again rather than one question. So yeah, but they live for that one question. So I know they do. Them. I know, I know, and and so does all of Scotland. We just live to suffer twenty fourteen forever. Yeah, eternal twenty fourteen of the spotless mind. Yes. <laughs> That's it, yeah. The libs in England have twenty twelve, but we have twenty fourteen, and we are all made to suffer. I think some good albums came out that year, at least. So you know, like it's not too bad. Mercy killers, David. Take yeah. us away. I will. I will. I've started talking about music. Kill it. Yeah, that's it. I, you, you know, you know, at the bottom of the barrel when you're starting fucking music chat. Right. Okay. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in. That has been the Scottish politics episode. This is what you waited for. I hope you're dissatisfied with it. You should be. You fucking horrible, horrible person. We are not doing another one of these unless something actually changes in Scottish politics, like materially. So you know. Yeah, we'll, yeah. People we'll, asked we'll for probably, this, didn't they? They did. Yeah, they genuinely fucking did. The the fucking yeah. mad lads. Um, Are you any wiser now? Probably not. Good. No. Yeah, good because we aren't. Um, no, Scottish politics is great. It's like if you if you need to know about it, you know about it. If you don't know about it, you don't need to know about it. You can fuck off. I mean, let's put it this way. I can think of exactly one thing and only one thing that would manifestly impact on Scottish politics right now other than the Tories inexplicably join, in allowing a referendum. Mm-hmm. Is the Northern Independence Party actually becoming a fucking going concern? Mm. Yeah, yes. that would be interesting. Yes. It would be very interesting to see a socialist-led independence movement perhaps be successful. I wonder what it would look like if it was socialist-led and did socialist things while it was doing the independence. Wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't it? All right. All right. When the, when the Northern Independence Party wins the Hartlepool by-election, we'll have a chat about Scott Paul again. Yes. Until then. Until then, <laughs> we'll catch his after. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Yeah, see ya. <laughs>